As we close out 2023, we want to have a look at what the predictions look like for 2024, because essentially we're in Christmas mode, everyone wants to go on a holiday, and then before we know it, we're in Feb of 2024. You notice how I missed out Jan, because no one really cares about Jan, but I think it's so key to prep in December for the following year. So many people do this once they come back from holidays, and again, you're in Feb, Jan is a write-off. So in this video, I want to share with you what am I looking at in 2024 when it comes to the real estate market, and we're going to draw on what some of the economists are saying, so if you're interested in this, this sort of content, then definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now in a second here, we're going to go through what Ray White Group Chief Economist is predicting are the top 10 predictions for 2024. Some of them I'll agree with, some of them I'll disagree with and I'll add my own commentary and my own thoughts. Especially with running a buyer's agency at the volume we turn over, it means that we have live insight into daily deals as well as different markets all across Australia. Now I notice a lot of you watch the videos but don't actually subscribe and it means a lot that if you can subscribe and like the video we can share these videos out to more people that really need them so take a few seconds there it's free you subscribe and you may want to hit the bell icon because in 2024 I am dropping some real alpha when it comes to real estate how to build wealth because it is going to be one of those years that you look back on and say damn I wish I did more so with that let's jump in now here are the top 10 predictions for 2024 for the Australian housing markets by Ray White group chief economist as we head into 2024 what does the future hold for residential property in Australia by Narita Consby, Ray White, Group Chief Economist. Now, despite rapidly rising interest rates and strong population growth, a lack of homes coming into the market and overall housing shortages led to big increases in both prices and rents across Australia in 2023. As we head into 24, what does the future hold for residential property in Australia? So let's pause here for a second because I made a video a year ago about what my predictions were for 2023. And although some were right, there were plenty that were also wrong. And the ones that I was wrong on, apart from the fact that I thought interest rates would actually cut in 2023, was that I totally undersold what the numbers could look like when it came to growth. I knew that we had a rental crisis and I knew that there was going to be a supply crunch because we had more people coming into the country, but I totally undersold how much the property market would grow. And it's not because I did that on purpose, it was just that I'm left here at the end of 2023 also shocked by how much the property market has grown. Despite coming down in 2022 and having all this fear around a recession, we have not actually entered a recession. Now, although we've entered a per capita recession here in Australia, we're technically still seeing growth in the market and inflation has stuck around for a little longer, but I've explained that in many videos in the past. Definitely go watch those ones and definitely watch this one because it's very important you understand that as context for the next 12 months. So prediction number one, prices will continue to grow. Despite predictions of a catastrophic fall in house prices in 23, they did in fact move in the opposite direction. Leading the way has been Perth, but the combination of strong population growth and a shortage of homes was enough to combat rising interest rates. As interest rates head close to a peak, it is expected that price growth will continue. At this point, housing supply remains extremely low and many people that would be new home buyers are being pushed into the established market. Big jumps in rents are pushing first home buyers into the market and population growth is continuing to be strong. Concerns about affordability for first-time buyers and renters will be big policy issues for 2024. So in 2023, we saw prices increase at rapid paces that most people didn't expect. In markets like Perth, where so many have avoided buying and touching the area for 
like the last five years have really now started to see amazing amounts of growth. We were positioning our clients in 2021 and 2022. And then we started seeing there was so much more interest. Suddenly all the agents weren't returning your calls or returning your texts. And it was the exact same thing we saw in Adelaide for the years before that. So as you know, for me, it's really important, not just buying into markets that move, but it's being five minutes early rather than a minute too late. And I've said this before is that I would rather be in these markets before that demand kicks in because we can look at the leading indicators rather than just jumping into the hype. Now we've purchased properties for clients in these markets, but they have to be great deals for us to enter in those markets. I can tell you now we are heavily looking at another specific region. And if what we've seen and predicted well with the regional markets, the Adelaide markets, the Perth markets, now we should see this next area absolutely take off in 24 and 25. So I'm super excited for anyone that's been buying that. Now, when it comes to price growth to continue, it would be in line with the 18.6 year land cycle, which predicts from 24 to 26, we should see the winner's curse, which is the highest amount of growth, absolute euphoria as the interest rates drop, banking conditions ease that allow more borrowing. And then we should see a blow off top with a major correction in 27 and 28. Now, although I like cycles and I love studying about them because yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd, not everything has to play out the same way. We all have markets that perform very differently where some will grow by 15% and others will still fall by five or 10%. The other thing you need to also consider is timing the market is very, very difficult. So if you've got a team of experts around you, then you probably have the best chance of nailing the timing. But even I will go on to say that it's close to impossible. So instead of just focusing on the data and just saying, oh my God, I need to get this right 100% of the time, you might find yourself doing that and miss out the entire run for the next 12 months. What you need to be doing is aligning your strategy, your goals and your risk appetite before you enter in these markets. Now, I suspect that the price growth will continue and in some areas will actually accelerate. Now, there is this concern about affordability and people saying, well, wages aren't rising. So how are we actually entering the market? And that's gonna be driven by what the policies look like on the other side. We've just had the Fed come out overnight and say, well, they've paused rates, but not only that, more importantly, they've come out and said they're very happy with how inflation has been tracking and more likely the next move is going to be a cut. In fact, they're now pricing in six rate cuts in 2024. So although I was wrong about rate cuts in 23. I'm telling you now in 24, we should see those interest rates cut, but they will happen sooner than we expect. And now it'll suddenly popping. And now that we're seeing these priced in rate cuts, it's because something might break in the system because interest rates have remained high at these elevated positions. Number two is interest rates to peak, but mortgage holders need to survive until 2025. Inflation remains persistent, but is starting to calm down. This means we may see another rate rise in 2024. However, it does look like interest rates are either at a peak or very close. This is great news for mortgage holders who have had to endure the sharpest increase in rates ever recorded. While it is good news, the bad news is that we are unlikely to see rate cuts until late 24 or early 25. This means mortgage holders need to survive until 25, paying far more on their home loans than they did two years ago. Now, I think it's gonna happen much sooner than late 2024. I think that's almost like your worst case situation if you're someone who holds debt. If you're someone that's hoping for a soft landing, you're thinking, yes, the later the interest rate cuts happen, that means means the economy is completely fine. The only reason you cut rates is because something is breaking or the economy isn't performing the way they intended for it to perform. So although they wanna slow down the economy, they wanna do it in a way that doesn't disturb the fundamentals of the economy, like unemployment going up or something in the system breaking where we do have this mortgage cliff play out. Now that's something else that I had predicted 12 months ago that this whole idea of a mortgage cliff was really a nothing burger. And what I mean by that is that people just put so much emphasis because it was fear mongering. It had so many clicks for people to talk about. Articles came out left, right and center and now we're here in December. And yet still, I will probably get a comment saying, Ravi, you have no idea what you're talking about. The mortgage cliff hasn't even come yet. It's coming in 2024.
more. Guess what? Those same guys will then go on to say it's coming in 25. It's maybe in 26. Okay, it's in 27. And then you know what? It probably happens in 28. But by 28, prices are now 40 to 50% higher than where they are today. And even if you saw a drop by 10 or 15%, they would still be much higher levels than they were today. And this is why I don't like listening to a bunch of random people online when I'm making my decisions, especially journalists, because well, I guess you just got to look at track records and what they've done. If they're not heavily invested in this market, they don't really have an incentive to look at the market every single day, apart from the fact that they need to get clicks on their article. That's their return on investment when it comes to their job. Housing supply to continue as policy focus. Australia is one of the least affordable countries in the world to buy a home. And although our rents remain relatively affordable relative to incomes compared to most other countries, rapid growth has been stressful for anyone renting a home. Australia is also a world leader in not building enough homes and is a key reason why housing is so expensive. It is great news that this can finally be recognized and is now a major policy focus. It will remain so for a long time. Having it as a policy focus and executing on the policy is two different things. And we can clearly see that play out because they came out 18 months ago or so and said, we're gonna build a million homes in the next five years. They have nowhere near completed what they need to be tracking at to get to a million homes. So even though they will come out and say, well, yes, it's a policy focus. The reality is it's not actually gonna get executed. And by the time they go and build the homes that they promised like five years ago, they'll need more homes at that point because we've just introduced so many more people into the country. So given that we're gonna have an increased level of demand and that's gonna stay consistent, if not accelerate, you've got to look to the supply side situation, which is do we have enough homes to realistically cater for the people coming? I just don't think there's enough attention paid to this. And I mean, I can see why the government might not even wanna pay attention because if the prices go up, the banks win. And if the banks win, the government wins and the government gets paid by a bunch of taxes that they introduce on property. So if property prices are higher, stamp duty is higher. Anyways, we're getting into conspiracy theories, but let's continue. Number four is look out for beach house bargains over summer, but you need to move quick. I have no idea what that means. While most of Australia saw price growth over the year, there were some parts of Australia that didn't. In many beachside holiday destinations, we saw a sharp rise in properties for sale and corresponding fall in prices. This was driven by the pandemic driven holiday homes purchase coming back to the market. While having a holiday home made sense in 21, high interest rates, the ability to travel again and restrictions on Airbnb have made it far more difficult. While prices are much more affordable, it may not last long with housing shortages a problem in many of these highly desirable parts of the country. Being simply close to a beach does not make it a really good investment. And I feel like this comes up every so often. So every couple of weeks, I'll get someone email me and say, Ravi, there's this holiday destination. We just got back from holiday, my partner and I, and we saw that this property is amazing. And we had such a great time being on holidays there. I think people want to buy property here. So I think it's going to be a great investment. So should I do it? And honestly, this happens every couple of weeks. Now, just by you going there and having a holiday doesn't make it a good investment. And it just comes down to numbers and cents. And I know I'm going to generalize here, but have a think about this logically. If you go on holidays to a particular destination, you see a house and you're like, oh my God, it's so great. I could totally go and buy that. And then I could travel here because it's my holiday home. You're spending like eight, $900,000 for a house that's near the beach, hoping it'll grow because you went there on a holiday once. And now it's your holiday home. So you're going to expect to go there, what, once, maybe twice a year, and then realize that the yields don't stack up anyway. And then if you want to have things like Airbnbs, well, who knows where regulation looks like in the next 12, 24 months when it comes to this. And then at the end of the day, it's largely driven by tourism because you went there for a holiday. So other people that go there are going for a holiday. It's not like they go there and say, I'm going to find employment here. I'm going to have a family and we're going to raise a family here together. That would then increase the level of demand long-term. What happens if you have like two years where the conditions aren't favorable? Well, suddenly you've lost time in the market, having all this capital allocated to this thing that you thought emotionally about because you went on holiday once. If you're going to go on holiday once or twice a year, you may as well 
people just rent a hotel room and that's why I'm such a big fan of renting in places you like to live in and investing in places that make sense. Number five is luxury apartment market to soar. The type of apartments being built in Australia have changed dramatically over the past decade. Whereas apartments in Australia were traditionally the place for younger people to live prior to buying a house. We are now seeing people choosing to live in apartments for longer or to downsize from a large home. Demand is increasing for much larger, high quality, more expensive developments. This has resulted in the most expensive apartments in Australia seeing price increases more than double those of an average price apartment. This year, few apartments being built, growing population and a desire to live in some of Australia's most sought after inner urban areas will lead to a boom in luxury apartment demand. A few years ago, I made a video on this channel about apartments versus houses, which is a better investment. And the conclusion was that although numbers stack up for houses to outperform apartments, it was in fact a general number. Because what you've got to look at when it comes to apartments, 80 to 90% is just garbage. It's just like cookie cutter, cardboard boxes that people go out and say, well, the developer wins because they make a really good profit. They go and sell it because they're saying, hey, it's close to transport. But then there's like a thousand others that are going up that look exactly the same. I did say that a small portion of apartments will actually outperform many houses in many different areas as an investment. And that's primarily because you get something unique. A house maybe gets built two or three stories in the air. But if you could find a luxury apartment or a penthouse that gives you certain views that no one else can get, that means it's unique. There might only be one of those in that suburb. And that is the core of supply and demand. If you can get into a really good area and you've got an apartment that offers something unique, you will win. But the problem is most people go out there and justify saying, well, I can see this grass area. It looks so nice. But hey, there's a thousand other apartments and they also have the grass area that looks very nice. Guess what? It's not unique. And that's something that you need to be honest with yourself when you're going out there and buying real estate. Number six is homes are to become even greener. While being environmentally aware drives some people to buy green homes, two other factors are now making them desirable for the wider population. The first is the rising cost of energy and having a greener home utilizing solar and batteries make it cheaper to run air conditioning, heaters and pool pumps. The second is that what makes home green also generally makes them safer. Now I totally agree with this and I think it's a fantastic initiative when you've got incentives there to have solar panels because then yes you're going to reduce your ongoing costs but your upfront costs increase and that could then play into this narrative again of housing becoming even more expensive. And this is so important and key to understand is that if the developer goes well I now have to abide by all these regulations that require me to build it in an environmentally safe or greenhouse sort of way then it's going to increase the cost of production. That increase goes on and flows on to the final cost of the build. Although you've got decreased running costs the upfront cost can be quite high but yes the prediction around more houses being green and environmentally safe I think is a definite movement towards the future. Number seven is rents to stabilize but tough times for renters to continue. Surprisingly Australia is relatively affordable for renters compared to most countries around the world. While this is the case rents have risen rapidly since the middle of the pandemic driven by a desire by many people to live alone, a lack of new housing development and the return of population growth. I don't think rents are going to slow down anytime soon. Rental growth will continue in 2024 even in some parts accelerate and I think it starts calming down in 2025. Now why do I think in 2025 we start calming down? Well I think with interest rates cutting, borrowing capacities increase, you see more people will move from the renting market into the buying market. So we should see the shift play out in 25 and probably peak out in 26. And then we should see all of these things in the pipeline when it comes to construction of new apartments and houses really flow in 26, 27, 28. And then we could find ourselves with an oversupply unless we keep migration high. And that is the big caveat to all of this. When we look at land cycles, yeah, things are playing out really well. You can make a shitload of money in the next 24 to 36 months. But if you're holding on to expecting some sort of drop off because some cycle told you that it would, this is where you need to tread carefully. 
Because if we see an oversupply of apartments and oversupply of housing, you might find that they're gonna increase the policy when it comes to migration. You invite more people into the country and it stabilizes whatever correction we could have at that point. Number eight is that we could see more people living alone. Long-term social and demographic shifts are leading to an increase in the number of people living alone in Australia. Changing lifestyle preferences, delayed marriage, and an aging population are contributing factors. I know for a fact that I've got friends that have now put off having kids because it's simply impossible to buy a place, make the mortgage repayments on a single income. So what they're saying is, well, we can't buy at the moment, we have to continue renting, or they might buy somewhere and then hold that for the next couple of years and hope things work out in their favor and then they can have kids. So I think the movement of people is definitely changing. How much of it is driven by our own choices and desires is a totally different story. Number nine is there are not enough investors. This one's interesting. There are not enough rental properties and without investors, this won't change. Mum and dad investors provide almost all rental properties in Australia. Government rental homes have declined dramatically over the last 25 years. And while built to rent is seen as a potential way to diversify ownership of rental properties, it remains well under 1% of total rental stock. Right now, investors aren't very active. Interest rates are too high. So the question I want you to think about is if we haven't really seen the influx of investors come back into the market and they've got equity in their homes because they're bought, but they just don't have the capacity to borrow, what happens when they have the capacity to borrow? That is honestly a question you need to ask yourself as we go through the next 12 to 18 months is as soon as we have interest rates cut or the banks change their policies, you will start seeing at every level increases of people coming in to the market to be able to buy. And that's going to put further pressure onto real estate prices. It will, however, have an easing effect on rental market. But at which point does this happen? If this plays out in 12 months, are you prepared to pay 10% to 12% higher on the real estate you could buy today? Or you may be in a position where you have no choice but to hold out. And at that point, you want to have your plans already in place so you can just go out there and execute the fastest. And finally, institutional investment in living sectors to accelerate. Owning commercial property is challenging at the moment. Office values and incomes have declined significantly as fewer people return to the office permanently. And shopping habits continue to show a growing preference for buying online. As a result, Australian and global institutional owners of property are looking to residential markets as an investment choice. This is very interesting and I think it's playing out where we will see bigger money come into this space. And not talk about it with crypto, like institutions are coming in to buy crypto, hold your crypto, don't sell to BlackRock and things like that. But I think it's playing out with real estate. I think this trend continues and probably accelerates as bigger companies and organizations realize that their wealth can be parked in real estate, especially being residential, and they can get the upside as well as counteract inflation and them just holding on to that cash or even worse, putting it to commercial property that's been losing its value. Overall, I think 2024 is gonna be a stellar year for people who own assets. I'm not just talking about real estate. I think all assets will go and increase. It's just a matter of which assets will grow faster than others. And if you can use leverage, then it's a whole different ballgame. Most people will be sidelined because they're in disbelief thinking that, oh no, property prices can't go any higher because affordability concerns. And suddenly 12 months down the track, it's almost impossible to buy. So if you're someone in a position that can probably buy today in 12 months, may find yourself in a position where you can't buy at all. And that is honestly the reality. I've seen it every year since I started investing into property, like in 2014, 2015, and nothing changes. Everyone acts emotionally. They look at the media and the headlines and they say, well, no, they said it's not a good time to buy. Suddenly in six months, you're FOMO buying because you see prices starting to move up. I think the people that will outperform this market are the ones that have watched all the way through to this video. So if you have, definitely comment down below and say 2024 growth. And I'll know that you watch all the way through. But apart from you guys, it's anyone that's owning assets and moving aggressively towards owning more assets during a time where we should see and the devaluation of our currency to continue. If you have enjoyed this video, smash that like button, subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.